Chapter 4 of Bill the Conqueror by P.G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Activities of Judson Coker. Rapidity of movement had never been congenial to Judson Coker. He disliked having to hurry. Finding, therefore, on reaching the end of the Prince of Wales Road that he was not being pursued, he slowed down. At a leisurely walk he turned the corner into Queen's Road and presently found himself on Chelsea Bridge. Here he decided to halt, for Judson had man's work before him. He intended to count his money. He took it out and arranged it in three little heaps on the palm of his left hand. Yes, there it was, just as it had been this morning, last night and the night before, thirteen shillings, two sixpences, and five pennies the view from chelsea bridge is one of the most stimulating in london but judson had no eyes for it however picturesque it could not hope to compete with the view afforded by the palm of his left hand thirteen shillings two sixpences and five pennies a noble sum his business correspondence had entailed an expenditure which had eaten sadly into the original proceeds from the sale of bill's pencil but he had no regrets if you don't speculate judson was well aware you can't accumulate he gloated for a few minutes longer then salted the treasure away in his pocket and resumed his walk students of character who have been examining judson coker since his appearance in these pages may seem to detect at this point a flaw in the historian's record finding themselves unable to reconcile the fact that he had had the sum of fourteen shillings and fivepence in his possession two nights before with the statement that he had in his possession fourteen shillings and fivepence now they are too hasty they do not probe deeply enough judson was not one of your shallow fellows who will fritter away here a sixpence and there a penny until they wake up to find their capital gone and nothing to show for it it was his intention difficult though it might be to hold off until he had the chance of shooting the entire works in one majestic orgy a binge which he could look back to and live again in the lean days to come he walked on luxuriating in the pleasurable anguish of a thirst that grew with every stride he left chelsea barracks behind him and the cosy little doll's houses in lower sloane street where the respectable live in self-contained flats the rattle of busy traffic greeted his ears it was like some grand sweet anthem for it meant that he had arrived at that haven where he fain would be the king's road full from end to end of the finest public houses practically one per inhabitant an admirable specimen of this type of building chancing to rear its hospitable facade almost in front of him he made for it like a homing rabbit and it was only when he reached its doors that he discovered that there lay between them and himself a securely padlocked iron gate as he stood there pawing in a feeble bewildered fashion at this astonishing and unforeseen barrier a passer-by stopped to gaze at him a fellow of bohemian aspect clad in a frock coat flannel trousers and a pink cricket cap and wearing upon his feet cloth bedroom slippers out of one of which peeped coyly a sockless toe 
to him judson appealed for an explanation of the ghastly state of things which he had come upon the man seemed like one who would know all there was to be known about public-houses i can't get in moaned judson the other cleared his throat huskily <clears throat> they don't open till half par six he replied amazed that in the heart of london that hub of civilization there could be walking the public streets a man ignorant of this cardinal fact of life he groped for light stranger around these parts ain't you he hazarded judson acknowledged that this was so foreigner ain't you yes from australia ain't you america Arr, said the bohemian nodding he spat sagely i ear you can't get a drop of no description or kind whatsoever in america judson was about to refute this monstrous slur on the land he loved by giving a list of the places in new york a where anybody could get the stuff and b the more select where you could get it by mentioning his name when his companion moved on leaving him alone in the desert a hideous gloom came over judson he was now enduring the extremes of drought six-thirty seemed eons ahead like some dim distant date lost in the mists of the future the thought of passing the time till then weighed on his soul like a london fog eventually deciding that if the time had to be passed it would be perhaps a little less dreary living it through up in the west end he made for the underground station at sloane square bought a ticket for charing cross and descended to the platform a train was just leaving as he came down the stairs he shuffled dully to the bookstall to see if there was anything there worth reading the bright cover of society spice caught his eye he knew little of the weekly papers of london but its titles seemed promising he yielded up two of his pennies a train came in he sat down and began to turn the pages the twopence which judson had spent on society spice proved an excellent investment the church times or the spectator he would not have enjoyed but society spice might have been compiled for his especial benefit it gripped him from the first page even though the issue in his hands was one of those on which roderick had tried so hard to exercise a depressing influence that craven's co-worker young pillbeam had by no means failed in his efforts after zip the vice in the pulpit article for instance was full of body nor was there any lack of fruitiness in the one on night clubs which are living hells judson began to feel happier and then like an electric shock a shudder ran through his entire frame it was as if somebody had beaten him over the head with a sandbag his heart seemed to stop his scalp bristled and there escaped from his twisted lips so sharp a yelp that it drew all eyes upon him but judson did not notice the eyes his own were glued upon an article on page six it was not an article of which young pillbeam had been particularly proud he had had to dig it out of the archives in a hurry 
when roderick's veto of the bookmaker series had caused a gap in the make-up on the eve of press day it was headed profligate youth and it dealt with the behaviour and habits of the idle offspring of american plutocrats the passage which had so stunned judson ran as follows another instance which may be cited is that of the notorious fifth avenue silks as they were called a club whose habit it was to parade up fifth avenue on sunday mornings in silk hats silk socks silk pajamas and silk umbrellas this was founded and led by the well-known toddy van reiter the recognized chief and guiding spirit of these young sparks judson shook as with an ague not even on the morning after seeing in a new year had he ever felt so thoroughly unstrung of all his great exploits the one of which he was proudest the one on which he relied most confidently to hand his name down to posterity was the founding of the fifth avenue silks and to see that masterpiece of ingenious fancy attributed to another and to toddy van reiter at that his humble follower and henchman was more he felt than a man should be called upon to bear it seemed to steep the soul in abysmal blackness the well-known toddy van reiter ha the recognized chief and guiding spirit oh ha ha it was monstrous monstrous these papers simply didn't care what they said the train rattled on bearing a raging judson eastward something tremendous he felt must be done and be done without delay a sweeping and consummate vengeance for the outrage alone could satisfy him but what to do what to do he toyed with the idea of a libel action but he had no funds for one then how ensure that justice be done and the righteous given their due there was only one way he must see the editor and demand that a full apology and retraction appear in the earliest possible issue he searched the paper but could find no editor's name all he learned was that the lying sheet was published by the mammoth company of tilbury house tilbury street e c well that was enough to work on the train had stopped and he got out steely cold and filled with a great purpose and the authorities of the underground railway increased his general wrath by their pin-pricking policy of demanding from him another penny for having allowed his reverie to carry him on a couple of stations farther than the scope of his ticket having given them this with an awful look he went up into the street and inquired the nearest way to tilbury house in alighting at blackfriars instead of at charing cross judson had done better than he knew for the policeman in the middle of the road outside the station informed him that to tilbury house from where he stood was but a step he strode off and was presently standing in a dingy alleyway before a large gaunt building of discoloured brick that this was the object of his quest was hinted by the rumble of presses within and confirmed by the scent of printer's ink and paper gallantly endeavouring to compete with that curious smell of boiling cabbage which always pervades any mean street in london 
nevertheless judson decided to make quite certain by verbal inquiry of the commissionaire in the doorway is this tilbury house asked judson er said the commissionaire he was a soured moody-looking fellow with a ragged moustache a man who seemed to have a secret sorrow which the spectacle of judson did nothing to allay he gazed at him with a bilious eye is this where society spice is published uh, i want to see the editor the commissionaire wrestled for a moment with his sorrow do you mean mr pike i don't know his name mr pike's the editor of society spice if you want to see him you'll have to fill up your name and business these formalities irked judson he resented this check the spirit of tilbury house had descended upon him and he wanted to do it now he wrote his name on the form handed to him fuming a buttoned boy appeared from nowhere and regarded him with what seemed to judson's inflamed senses silent mockery he did not like the boy the boy looked as if he might be in this plot to exalt toddy von reiter at the expense of better men take this he said haughtily to mr pike jem wants to see mr pike added the commissionaire with the air of one interpreting the ravings of a foreigner the boy glanced disparagingly at the document he had the trying manner of a schoolmaster examining a pupil's exercise you ain't filled up your business he said superciliously judson was in no mood for literary criticism from boys in buttons he spoke no word but he cut at the stripling viciously with his stick the boy dodging expertly uttered a derisive cry and disappeared the commissionaire picked up his evening paper you'll have to wait he said he turned to the racing page and began to read up on the third floor in the office of society spice roderick a prey to a gloom which almost rivalled that of the commissionaire was lugubriously watching young pillbeam ginger up the next issue there seemed to roderick something utterly gruesome in the fellow's cheerful industry his emotions were not unlike those of a man shut up in a small room with a lunatic who has started juggling with sticks of dynamite sustained by the verdict of the court of appeal the sub-editor of society spice was giving the freest play to his ideas of what a paper that provided weekly scandal should be and some of the choice items which he had read out from time to time had chilled roderick to the marrow to roderick it seemed utterly inconceivable that even the mildest of these paragraphs should not bring about an immediate visit from indignant citizens with shotguns and when he remembered mr isaac bullitt's brief but pregnant remarks concerning the lads his heart turned to water within him a fairly frequent attendant at race meetings in the neighbourhood of london roderick knew all about the lads they ranged the world in gangs armed with hammers sandbags and knuckle-dusters were to them mere ordinary details of what the well-dressed man should wear they lay in wait for those at whose actions they had taken offence and kicked them with heavy boots 
in short if there was one little group of thinkers in existence whose prejudices ought to be respected by a man with any consideration for the pocket of his life insurance company it was these same lads and here was pillbeam going out of his way to jar their sensibilities roderick groaned in spirit and turned absently to take the form which was being held out to him by the boy in buttons who had just entered what's this he asked his eyes still on young pillbeam who was hammering away at a typewriter in the corner pillbeam had just emitted a low chuckle of childlike pleasure at some happy phrase to roderick it had sounded ghoulish he was torn between the desire to know what his young assistant had written and a strong presentiment that it was better not to know jam waiting to see you sir roderick wrenched his mind away from the essayist in the corner and inspected the card his attention was immediately enchained by the same omission which the boy had detected he doesn't say what his business is wouldn't feel up his business sir said the boy eagerly a sensationalist at heart this fact now appealed to him as pleasingly sinister it appealed in precisely the same way to roderick why not he said uneasily don't know sir just wouldn't do it i says to him you ain't filled up your business i says and all he done was take a crack at me with his stick crack at you with his stick echoed roderick pallidly crack at me with his stick repeated the child with relish don't know what's the matter with him but he seemed in a fair old rage sir bilin over he seemed to be roderick blenched tell him i'm busy busy sir yes sir all right sir the boy disappeared roderick sat down at his desk and gazed before him with unseeing eyes the clatter of young pillbeam's typewriter still rang through the room but he did not hear it at last he felt the blow had fallen and the avenger had arrived just which of the paragraphs printed during his editorship had brought this on him he could not say but he was strongly of the opinion that almost any one of them might have done so his nightmare had come true roderick pike as has perhaps been sufficiently indicated by the remarks of his aunt frances was not of the stuff of which heroes are made he was as she had justly observed in her conversation with sir george a timid feeble creature there was once an editor of an organ of opinion catering to the literary wants of a western mining camp who sitting in his office one day noticed a bullet crash through the glass of the window and flatten itself against the wall behind his head upon which a relieved and happy smile played over his face there he exclaimed didn't i say so i knew that personal column would be a success roderick pike was the exact antithesis of this stout-hearted man he liked peace and quiet and shrank from all turbulent forms of life where a sturdier fellow would have welcomed with joy the prospect of an interview with a boiling stranger who cracked at people with his stick roderick quailed he sat huddled in his chair in a sort of catalepsy of panic this cataleptic condition had not passed when flick arrived to be taken out to tea 
marked as roderick's air of gloom was flick did not observe it she was feeling oddly preoccupied something strange seemed to have happened to her since she had parted from bill expressing itself in a vague and general discontent combined with a curious dreaminess she greeted roderick mechanically and mechanically allowed herself to be introduced to young pilbeam who ever a warm admirer of the sex had ceased his writing and risen gallantly at her entrance there was not much that went on in tilbury house that pilbeam did not get abreast of and the news of roderick's engagement had long since reached him so this was the boss's niece a delectable girl much too good for roderick he bowed genteelly smiled spoke a courteous word or two opened the door the young couple passed out pillbeam heaved a not unmanly sigh and returned to his writing much too good for roderick he was now certain he held no high opinion of his superior officer roderick escorted flick downstairs he led her by secret ways for it was not his purpose to use the main stairway which ended in the vestibule guarded by the commissionaire the information that he was busy had he hoped brought about the departure of the stick-cracking visitor but he was taking no chances he emerged with flick from a small and insignificant door farther down the street and looking apprehensively about him saw with relief that no danger was in sight except for the usual fauna of localities in which printing-houses are situated short-sleeved men with blackened faces and the like tilbury street was empty somewhat calmed roderick proceeded on his way unfortunately it chanced that at this precise moment the commissionaire who had finished the racing news elected to step out for a brief breath of air and still more unfortunately judson tired of waiting and realizing that the fortress was carefully guarded and that he was merely wasting time remaining in the vestibule decided to get up and go home the two came out almost simultaneously and judson was only a yard or so in the commissionaire's rear when the latter sighting roderick and wishing to show zeal and possibly acquire a small tip touched his hat and uttered these fateful words shall i call you a cab mr pike judson hearing the name froze in his tracks no let's walk along the embankment said flick and go to the savoy instead of carriages it's such a lovely day the commissionaire disappointed but apparently feeling that in a world of sorrow this sort of thing was only to be expected withdrew flick and roderick turned down the street towards the embankment and judson recovering from his momentary trance had just started off in hot pursuit when he was delayed by the sudden arrival of a large truck which drew up across his path and began to unload rolls of paper by the time he had rounded this obstacle his quarry was out of sight but judson had caught the word embankment he needed no further clue he hurried on in the direction of the river and there sure enough halted opposite a taxicab which had drawn up at the pavement was the man he sought he seemed to be trying to persuade the girl to ride while the latter appeared to favor walking judson dashed feverishly up are you the editor of society spice 
he thundered. Roderick spun round. The voice sounded to him like the voice of doom. He had had his back turned and so had been unaware of Judson's approach until the latter spoke, and one may perhaps be permitted charitably to assume that it was the suddenness and unexpectedness of the onslaught that undid him some excuse some theory in extenuation of his behaviour is one cannot deny urgently needed for at the sound of these words roderick disintegrated his fatal timorousness that disastrous legacy from poor lucy was too strong for him he cast at judson a single quick horrified look then jettisoning in one mad craving for self-preservation all thoughts of manhood and chivalry he sprang from flick's side leaped into the cab hissed in the driver's ear and was off wafted away like some homeric warrior snatched from the thick of battle in a cloud his departure not unnaturally created in both flick and judson a certain astonishment judson was the first to recover with an anguished cry he started to race after the receding taxi leaving flick standing on the pavement for some moments flick stood there motionless her gaze on the flying judson a dull flush had stolen into her cheeks and an ominous steely light was turning the blue of her eyes to glazed stone then she beckoned to another taxi that was ambling up from the east and got in had flick waited a minute longer before taking her cab she would have perceived judson returning baffled from the chase even in his harvard days when he was young and lissom athletic feats had never been in judson's line and nowadays a twenty-yard dash was about the limit of his sprinting capacity this being in the nature of a special occasion he had extended himself to a matter of fifty yards before admitting defeat but at that point his legs and lungs had united in a formal protest too vigorous to be overruled but though checked judson was not checkmated even as he paused doubled up and gasping with his back against the friendly railings of the embankment gardens an idea had come to him when or if he got his breath back again he would return to tilbury house and there acquire certain information he was now on his way to put this scheme into action the commissionaire was still out having his breath of air when he reached the familiar vestibule in his seat there sat a boy in buttons not the one with whom judson had had the little unpleasantness but another and more likable-looking lad to him judson addressed himself say listen said judson sir said the infant courteously judson bent nearer and lowered his voice i want to know mr pike's private address the boy shook his head and into his manner there crept the dawning of a new austerity ain't allowed to give private addresses judson had hoped not to be compelled to call up his last line of reserves but it seemed unavoidable from the slender store in his trouser pocket he produced a shilling and a sixpence he held them up in silence the boy wavered it's against the rules he said wistfully judson spake no word but he clinked the coins meditatively in his hand the little fellow's agitation visibly increased 
what what do you want to know for he quavered judson with masterly strategy dropped the shilling allowed it to roll in a wide circle then picked it up and clinked it once more against the sixpence the boy was but flesh and blood he stole to the foot of the stairs and listened intently for a moment then creeping back whispered in judson's ear the money changed hands and judson took his departure it was nearly half-past seven when flick returned to holly house she had driven in her cab to the savoy hotel and there in one of the writing-rooms had remained for a considerable period of time most of which was spent in chewing a pen and staring straight in front of her eventually seizing a sheet of note-paper she had dashed down a few lines and without stopping to re-read them had sealed the envelope and posted it in the lobby then feeling oddly uplifted she had walked composedly out and taken an underground train to wimbledon she felt defiant but calm her heart sang rebel songs as she walked up the drive songs as old and dangerously intoxicating as the spring itself mrs hammond came out of the drawing-room as she was crossing the hall how late you are felicia be quick and dress your uncle george and roderick are coming to dinner at eight this was news to flick are they she said surely roderick told you said mrs hammond it was settled just after lunch on the telephone it is the only night your uncle can manage as he is obliged to go to paris to-morrow and expects to be away at least a week the bagshots and one or two other people are coming very strange roderick saying nothing about it to you he left me in rather a hurry said flick i suppose he would have mentioned it if he had not been interrupted poor roderick i suppose he is kept very busy said mrs hammond how was the dear boy very agile agile mrs hammond stared what do you mean flick stopped at the foot of the stairs aunt frances she said i've something to tell you i am not going to marry roderick i have written to him breaking off the engagement End of chapter 4